After all these many, many months, I finally discovered the true benefits of wearing a face mask. Not only do they prevent one catching and passing on certain horrible, life-threatening viruses, but they also enable one to successfully dodge certain individuals they'd rather not run into. Now that is what I call a win-win. I experienced this little epiphany just a few weeks ago when I popped into Sainsbury's to pick up one or two items for Mummy. We had to furlough the help, so of course I'm doing everything now, which is a bit of a bind. But, you know, one has to do one's bit, so I persevere. As I was standing in the entrance to Sainsbury's, wet wiping my hand basket, I looked straight ahead, and that's when I saw her. Jemima Jenkins, the Jemima Jenkins, local cake champion and winner of Best Marrow at Our Village Gala, 15 years running. Of course, it doesn't matter that nobody else in the village actually grows marrows and she's ultimately only competing with herself. Oh no, let's reward her anyway, just for being Jemima Jenkins. Incidentally, her husband's family owns half the village, so, as the Americans say, do the math. But I digress. So, there she was, La Jenkins in all her enormous glory, waddling her way into Sainsbury's. I knew instantly it was her. She is unmistakable. That colossal rump of hers was trailing behind her like a reluctant donkey. I then followed her into the store in stealth mode. And I carefully walked behind her and that mammoth ass of hers for a good minute or so until she made a beeline for health and beauty. Her large behind followed. This thing gave me the opportunity to very quickly scoot along to tinned goods. I had actually intended to visit health and beauty myself for mummies. Well, call them intimate items. But at the risk of running into Jenkins, I made a mental note to pop back when the coast was clear. So, a few minutes later, I'm perusing tinned soups and pondering over leek and potato or scotch broth when I turned my head and, to my utter horror, there she was, further along the aisle, Jenkins. Thankfully, she hadn't seen me at this point, as she was too engrossed in looking at packet soups. Yes, you heard right. Packet soups. I was surprised, too. I mean her, a cake champion with a managing director for a husband. And there she is, ogling dried minestrone. Positively filthy. I thought. Talk about slumming it. I just did not know what to do at this point. I felt genuinely trapped, like a cornered squirrel. I prayed for a miracle to happen, for her phone to suddenly ring with a family emergency, prompting her to scoot off in a mad dash, or perhaps for an earthquake to strike the village. Not a major one, I'm not a sadist, but I'd be willing to risk a spot of mass destruction to avoid Jenkins. I think a lot of people would. So there I am, absolutely quaking at the thought of being discovered. And there's Jenkins, a mere few feet away, 
positively salivating over her dried minestrone, which was upsetting to watch in itself. She held the packet right up to her face at one point, almost as if she was trying to sniff it through her face mask. To look at her, you'd be forgiven for thinking she was some crazed heroin addict snuffling about for her next fix. It was most disconcerting, and not at all the behaviour one would expect of a Mercedes owner with a tennis club membership and three ponies. Now, I'm really wanting to run away at this point, but I know the slightest movement would attract Jenkins' attention, and of course, the game would then be up and it would all be downhill from there. As I was standing there, panicking, I suddenly began to sweat rather profusely, and my hands became terribly clammy. So much so, in fact, that all of a sudden I seemed to lose grip of the tin of leek and potato I was holding, and the ruddy thing fell clean out of my hand and dropped to the floor, making the most enormous thud. Half the damn store must have heard it. So, obviously, Jenkins heard it too. She turned my way, looked down at the wayward tin of leek and potato, spinning about on the floor a la Strictly, and then she looked up at my face, looked me right in the eye, held her stare for a good twenty seconds or so, felt like twenty years. By now, I had completely frozen. I felt utterly helpless and continued to panic even more. My heart was pounding ten to the dozen at this point. Well, that's it, I thought. Bloody game's up. She's got me. <clears throat> but then, just when I thought I was done for, the most remarkable thing happened. Jenkins all of a sudden broke her gaze and went back to ogling her packet soups. She obviously hadn't clocked me at all not even the slightest hint of recognition. I couldn't believe it. Then she popped one of her dirty little boxes of monosodium glutamate into her hand basket and sashayed over to instant mash. Yeah, you heard right. Instant mash. Couldn't you just die? I mean, how savage. Boil some potatoes, for God's sake! The main thing was, however, that I was apparently scot-free. I can tell you the relief was immense. I felt positively giddy, so I walked on and headed for dairy. Well, I say walked, more like shimmered. I was so overjoyed. I couldn't believe my luck having avoided Jenkins and her insufferable flim-flam. A few moments later, I am in the dairy section, feeling so much better for not having to dodge Jenkins anymore, and of course feeling quite bad for witnessing that filthy little habit of hers, packet soups and instant mash. Oh, imagine! Wait till I tell the girls, I thought. That's one for the parish newsletter. But it would seem that my luck was unfortunately about to take a sudden turn for the worse, because just as I reached out for the pot of full-fat yog that I needed to buy for mummy's, well, we'll call it delicate problem, all of a sudden I heard a voice bellow out. Patricia! Thought it was you! I'd recognise that handbag anywhere! So I turned, and there she was, 
Jemima effing Jenkins. She immediately bounced over and started talking at me, the way that smug, self-assured horsey types do. And at that moment, as she was jibber-jabbering away, I asked myself, do I really want to endure an hour of bragging about hubby securing a new lucrative deal that's going to pay for a third holiday home? Or the twins and how fabulously well they're doing at Oxford? I decided that no, I didn't want to endure any of that. So I said nothing, and I just sort of stood there while she droned on and on and on. Eventually, sensing my lack of interaction, Jenkins stopped mid-sentence while going on about her pony and its blasted dropsy. She looked at me and asked, It is you behind that mask, isn't it, Patricia? And that's when it dawned on me that I could be anyone behind that mask. I didn't have to be myself at all. She'd never know. And that's when inspiration struck me. I don't know why, but there and then, I rather fancied myself as being French. So I thought, you know what, Patricia, if you want to be French, then you shall jolly well be French. So I decided, may we stick a beret on me and call me Lola. I'll be French. Now, of course, one must confess that one's French has never been particularly strong. But I knew that I had to say something here. So when she asked again, Patricia, is that you? I thought on my feet and had to very quickly improvise. And Lord knows why I did this. But all of a sudden I found myself shouting out, Vive la France! Jenkins just looked at me quite aghast. I could see her eyes dancing about trying to fathom what was going on. She doubted herself, I could tell. That's got you, I thought. What are you going to do now? And I said it again, this time louder and with determination. Vive la France, I said. Vive la France. And then I walked off in a sort of French way quite sure how the French walk, but in that moment I could very well have been a Parisian going about her business on the left bank, croissant in hand. Jenkins just watched me. I could feel her eyes burning into the back of my head as I walked away. Oh, it felt divine to have dodged her like that. And what's more, I'd actually got away with it. Well, almost got away with it. You see, a few minutes later, after I'd paid for my shopping, I returned to the car and whipped off my face mask. That's when I realised that not only was Jenkins' car parked in the bay directly opposite, but she was actually sitting in the driver's seat looking right at me. She clocked me this time, properly, gave me a knowing look and a wave. I waved back awkwardly, and just like that, the game was up. And now I hear that she's telling everyone in the village how I've gone mad and how I'm going around impersonating the French. 
Apparently, she's been saying that it's the stress of furloughing the help and having to do my own shopping that's tipped me over the edge. There may be an element of truth in that, but that's by the by. The upshot is that Jemima Jenkins is no longer speaking to me. She hasn't done so in weeks. There have been no phone calls to update me on her sickeningly successful family. No casual drop-ins on the way to the post office to gloat about her marrows. No invites to any of her socially distanced, ghastly garden gatherings. Nothing. Not a sausage. She's completely cut me off. I'm now, as the Americans say, dead to her. And do you know something? I could not be more delighted. Bugger off, Jemima Jenkins, and vive la France! Life's a Gas was written by Ben Ellis and performed by Sarah Starling. Like, share, subscribe and leave us a review. Why not? Thanks for listening. 